Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod. This is episode number 177. I'd like to make a commitment to you, gentle listeners. Today is the first day of weekly podcasts. I've got some interviews recorded already, some things lined up. I know I've said it before, but I can change. I can change. And today it's going to happen. Today is July 28th, 2015. I sounded like I really meant that date, didn't I? Today's guest is Trana Wintour, and I am thrilled to be talking to her. She's been a friend, real-life friend, but mostly a Twitter friend for a long time. Um, and it was really the first time we got a chance to sit down and just chit-chat. So it's fantastic that we'll be coming up right after a couple of things. I want to tell you what I've got coming up in uh, Michael Heron land. I am headed to L.A. tomorrow to perform with Cabaret for a Cause. It's our first time to do a show in Los Angeles. I'm super excited. That's going to be Monday night, June 1st at Rockwell Table and Stage. I think there are still a couple of tickets left. There's going to be tons of awesome children's singing. And um, I'm really excited about just hanging out in L.A. So that's going to be super fun. On June 7th, which is also my birthday, I'm going to be performing at the um, National Animal Rights Day. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what time, but if you check my website, michaelherron.com, you can get information there. So that's my business. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, this podcast is going to be a weekly podcast from now on, released every Thursday. I think that's it. I want to start with a song. This is one of my favorite indie bands, uh, Sweet Billy Pilgrim. I've been following them for a while. Like they really are like a podcast-related band to me because I think I first discovered them while searching for Podsafe music. This is their fourth album, which just came out this week. Uh, the album is called Motorcade Amnesiacs, and this song is called—it's <laughs> so brand new, I can't even remember the name of it. Where's the? Just above Midtown, and it's blowing my mind. I really love this band. Uh, if you go back uh, some episodes, I interviewed Tim from this band a couple of years ago. Uh, check out their album and uh, check out this song. The video is also great. I love, did I mention I love Sweet Billy Pilgrim? Here's the band. And uh, after this, we'll have my interview with uh, Trana Wintour.
my guest on the show today is Trana Wintour, who is a happy, raunchy, pop culture-obsessed, fashion-hungry comedian. In the short amount of time, Trana has taken the comedy scene by storm, bringing her unique brand of comedy and style to fabulous Montreal venues and even clubs in New York City, where I have seen her P.S. Uh, she is also ranked... Uh, she's also performed in Montreal's... Oh, this is... I'm going to need help pronouncing this. It's Frenchy. Yeah. Diversité. That festival. And was a competitor in Sirius XM's top comic contest. She was ranked the third best comedian in Cult MTL's Best of Montreal poll in 2014 and was named one of the Montreal Gazette's 20th... 20 hottest Montrealers. Believe the hype. Trana Star is rising fast and you must see her. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited. I am so excited too. I wanted to get the podcast going again and suddenly you tweeted something right when I was thinking of like, who should I get on the show? And I was like, oh my God, of course. So yeah. It was meant to be. Totally meant to be. Um, so let's talk about your show that's coming up in the Fringe. I think that we, should, we need to really focus on that. I want to hear all about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so I'm doing a one-woman show for the Montreal Fringe Festival called Trantasy. Um, and if that goes well, hopefully I'll be doing some other Fringe Festivals next year um, around the world. Um, but one day at a time. Right now, um, my opening night is like eight days away and I'm just in total panic mode. Um, there's so much to get done. You know, I'm, I'm sure you know this as a performer and as an indie performer, it's like you have to be everything, like not only do the creative work, but you sort of act as your own manager and publicist and your, your mm -hmm. own emotional machine. And that interferes with your creative time. So it's all kind of crazy right now. Yeah, I like I've heard people say that before. And it wasn't until I did my own show that I was like, oh, my God, this is what they're saying. And when you're working really hard on one thing the whole time, you're thinking like, I really, I need to also do, like, I always, I, the whole time I was feeling guilty about what I wasn't doing, even though I was always doing something. Exactly. That you said it so perfectly. That's exactly where I'm at. Like, I'm always doing something, but then something else suffers, you know? Yes. Yeah. Luckily, like the bulk of the creative work um, is already done. Like this show is really a culmination of everything that I've been working on over the past two years. So it's a collection of all of my best material, um, some new stuff, some new musical performances. Um, and it's sort of, I'm bringing all of these things together under a loose theme of fantasy. And it's a theme that I'm really drawn to because I think that our fantasies ultimately are the most real and authentic things about ourselves. Um, so I'm sort of, you know, positioning all of my my material under that kind of context. Love it. So I've seen I've seen you do stand up at that only in person one time when at the at the duplex. It was that yeah. open mic, right? Exactly. And that I, was one of the best nights. That it was such a great night, and it was really like. I have to say, like everyone, like all the people that were there that night were kind of getting up and being funny and blah, blah, blah. But when you got up, look, I'm going to be all like fangirl about it for a second. Like you like took the stage like, you know, every I don't know how to describe it better than that. Yeah, you, yeah I do. So you Thanks. like the other people like were just kind of like getting up and sort of almost apologetically like, oh, here's my little set. And you were like, no, bitch, here is my set. And it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, like that is. I mean, I guess consciously and unconsciously my attitude whenever I get up on stage. And I think it's because I just, I believe so much in what I'm doing and I care so much about what I'm doing 
Um, so, and I'm putting in the work, so I'm not apologetic about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm working really hard to do the best material that I can, be the best performer that I can be, and I'm excited to get up there and share that with people. So, like, yeah, I'm not apologetic about it at all. That's amazing. And you sing, too, of course, in the show, yeah? Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not, um, I'm not a good singer. Um, I have very limited vocal ability, um, but I love singing. I love it so much. Like, it's just, it's such a, I don't know, it just, it's soothing and it's therapeutic and it just it allows me to express things in a way that I can't just you know verbally right I'm sure you know that as a singer as well yeah Um, and I feel the same way about my singing too that I'm like I don't feel like I'm like a legit singer but I'm like well but like that's what I do so here's my singing now (laughs) you know what I mean like I think most of the time most of the time I'm in key and unlike you like you have I mean, not just vocally, but you have, like, you know, such a musical gift. I don't have any musical gift. Like, I can't play any instruments. I don't really, you know, know anything technical about music. So I use these, like, horrible karaoke backing tracks um, because I can't afford a band. (laughs) Um, And so, but sometimes working under those limitations, like, there's really great things that can happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, I don't know, you do it well. Like, I've... I heard you sent me a recording of one of your one woman shows and it all worked so nicely. Even having the tracks, I thought really worked well. Thank you. Yeah. Like I, I work with it, you know, like for example, in this show that I'm doing, um, the thing that I'm most excited about is I'm doing, um, this, um, remix of Mariah Carey's touch my body. Uh huh. Um, which is such a ridiculous song. Like, I don't know if you know it. I don't Um, know it, but I'm going to check it out. But basically, I mean, like, the lyrics go, like, touch my body, put me on the floor, wrestle me around, play with me some more. Like, just these really tacky, um, (laughs) hilarious lyrics, you know? My favorite lyric in the song is, um, oh, my God, what does she say? Um, Like, something like, you better not run your mouth and talk about the secret rendezvous because they'd be all up in my business like a Wendy interview, a Wendy Williams interview. Oh, nice. Like, just so tacky, you know, but I found this really great remix that makes the sound, the song sound really stripped back and really sexy. And I'm going to be doing it very earnestly. Like I'm just like, I'm sort of channeling basically all the unrequited love that I've had in my life. And basically I'm kind of singing it as an ode to all the men that I've wanted in my life that never wanted me back, you know? Right. Um, so I'm sort of singing it in this kind of urgent and kind of desperate way, you know? I'm trying to turn this really tacky song into something really earnest. Uh, I love that type of thing. Like Me too. It's nice to approach things that way. And I think like it would be too easy to do that song and make fun of it uh, because it's already a joke to begin with, mm-hmm. you know? So I really wanted to do the song and I thought like, well, how am I going to make this interesting? And I think that also in doing it earnestly, it's also a a different kind of joke at that point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But also like when it becomes earnest, I'm trying to think of an example. I know I've seen that type of thing before. Like, I think like, uh, obviously we both have a mutual love for Sandra Bernhardt. Right. Of Uh, course. And, like, I remember seeing her, um, not this past year, but the year before at Joe's Pub. And, 
she did the most incredible version of Roxette's Listen to Your Heart. Oh, yeah. And I think Sandra is really amazing at taking these sort of daffy pop songs, which are fun and, you know, on their own. But she has this way of infusing uh, an emotional element that, you know, whoever knew was there, you know? Yeah. And she's another person who, like, like on the surface may not have, like, the most traditionally awesome voice. I hate to say that out loud. That sounds really rude. <laughs> But who like owns a song and may, like it gives it a distinct like depth that you may always from another singer. Always, her voice is so powerful and it's so evocative, and that I've always been drawn more to voices like that because you know technically good voices for me are just kind of boring. I need, I like flaws, you know, and I like um, just character in a voice. Like to me, that's so much more interesting. Like even Barbara Streisand, now that she's older, like when I saw her just, I think like two years ago in Brooklyn, like her voice has aged, like there's no question about it. But I think that with these sort of new flaws, it's just that much more interesting. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm right on the same page with you. I think that is uh demonstrative of why we both like Sandra Bernhard and have such similar taste. Cause I'm the same, like when I watch shows like the voice or, you know, those shows, like it's sort of fun to see the people singing like that, but it means nothing to me. Like when people are doing those riffs, it's yeah. a little like what, like that's really cool. You can do that. But like, ugh, it doesn't really it's, like, it's not an emotional experience for me. Me too. I feel the exact same way. Um, I just, yeah, I need, I need depth and I need character and I need, flaws and I need things to be multi-layered and you know interesting yeah I have a feeling this won't be an easy question to answer but do you have a favorite vocalist oh that's a re- I mean right off the bat like Kylie Minogue is the first thing that comes to mind uh-huh. um I think that she's really underappreciated as a vocalist um and what I love about Kylie um the most is that you know on the surface she does these I mean, her music is very pop. It can be very bubblegum on the surface. But what I love about her is how much she is invested in the process and how much she loves what she does. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that approach and that authenticity and her love of what she does just adds this amazing depth to everything that she does that I feel is lacking in, in her contemporaries. She's one of those people that I have never really taken the time to listen to. She has a really interesting back catalog. Like, you know, it started off with, you know, like PWL, 80s Brit pop, which was just like insanely bubblegum. And then she made this, you know, really crazy stylistic departure from that and went really dark, but then went back to pop. And it's one of the most interesting discographies. Am I remembering correctly that she did a cover of Locomotion? Yeah, that was her first big hit. That's so crazy. Uh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's what I remember her as. So I've always been like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's a girl that did Locomotion. Yeah, so. well, that was her biggest hit in the U.S., you know? Yeah. But I sort of love, like, I love artists that have, like, a big discography that you can really get into, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's nothing that I love more than discovering for the first time an artist who's actually been around for a long time. I just never knew about them. And then there's so much to discover. I love that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I do love that too. Maybe she's going to be my next one because I love digging into an artist like that and just suddenly, you know, that experience of getting to discover so much. And Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like for me now, especially with like 
you know, the current pop music climate, it's just so uninteresting. It's like this just like mass produced heartless stuff that is really just about the bottom line and just this quick turnaround because everyone's attention span is so short. So a new pop song that comes out, people are interested for a week and they already want something new from you, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like under that sort of um, context, like, I mean, how, I mean, what good can you really create? Like things that are good usually require time, not just to create, but time to enjoy and digest as well, you know? Yeah. So I find myself more and more just turning to older things and trying to seek out these, you know, accomplished artists that have big back catalogs that I've just never heard of. Mm, yeah. There's, I, I enjoy digging for current artists who aren't shitty too. <laughs> I mean, there are some, but I feel yeah. like, like I'm a pop girl, you know, like I love pop music. Um, but I just, and in, like using Kylie again as an example, there is room for depth and authenticity in pop, uh, but I just feel like that's gone, you know? It's gone in mainstream pop. Do you think um, Madonna's album, where are you with that? Um, oh, I'm glad you're bringing this up. <laughs> um, I, I'm so opinionated on Madonna. Of course, I'm talking about her in my new show. Um, because I've had, you know, as a fan, this really long history with Madonna, like so many people. Um, like, she was such a monumental part of my childhood, Um like, I mean, so much of who I am is things that I learned from her as a kid looking up to her. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sad to see, it's sad to see this person that you regarded for so many years as this like strong female, this intelligent, smart, talented woman, and kind of seeing that, you know what, maybe she was never really those things. Um, because she's so desperate right now and she's so unintelligent in, in her approach to what she's doing, you know? Um, and for me, it's really sad to see that. Um, and, but I have to say, I do really love the album, the new album. Yeah. I really love it. I feel like I just, I think it's sad that unfortunately this album has just been marred by all of the you know, the circumstances, like all the leaks and her stupid Instagram account and just what an ass she makes of herself in <laughs> interviews now. And with that stupid Drake kiss, like you made a really great album. Just let the work speak for itself, you know? Yeah. I, I have about, <laughs> I have no time left for Madonna, though I do. I have a friend who actually <laughs> is a really, she really likes my work. And, um, and there was one point I said something shitty about Lady Gaga a couple of years ago on Facebook. And this particular friend was like, whoa, like she's very vocal. Like when she likes an artist, she likes an artist. Right. And she like commented back on my Facebook, like very directly and politely, like you need to give Lady Gaga a chance, blah, blah, blah. And because she likes my work, I was like, mm, I better listen to her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so it made me she loves Madonna, too. So it, she like really was pushing me like, listen to the new album. I think you're going to like it. And I do like some of it. I really like and some of it. Yeah, to me, there's a lot of crap on there. Like, I mean, it's just too like she, it could have been. I appreciate having a ton of new songs to enjoy. You know, like mm -hmm. on the deluxe edition, there's like 24 tracks. Right. Like you appreciate that, especially now that we're living in the age of like no more B-sides because there's just no more physical singles anymore. Um but I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of crap on there. Like, yeah. sex is one of the most embarrassing things she's ever done. Um, 
it's just awful. It's <laughs> awful. Like I, to hear this 55 year old woman talk about sex with the, the same amount of emotional intelligence as a 15 year old. Um, it's embarrassing. And I want to quickly add that me saying that is not fucking ageist. Like all of her fans come to her defense and sort of label all the criticism that's, you know, aimed at her as being ageist. And Madonna does this herself. She labels all the criticism as ageist because she doesn't want to actually examine the criticism, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's not ageist. I think there's something genuinely wrong with a 55-year-old woman who has the mentality of a 15-year-old. And that's not ageist. There's just, there's an issue there, you know? Yeah, so I I am one of the people that will that will cry out about ageism, but your the argument you're making doesn't sound ageist to me. I mean, it, it really has sounds to like do with age. All of my favorite people are fifty and over. Um, honestly, all of my favorite artists. And if you like an example that I tend to use, like two examples that I use a lot are Tina Turner and Eartha Kitt. Who you know, Eartha up until the end was so sexy so ferocious, so youthful, so playful, you know? Um, but it was also very authentic and it was true to who she was at that moment in time. And I feel like the problem with Madonna, it's not a question of wearing this or wearing that, or it being appropriate or not appropriate. It's just about authenticity. And with Madonna, it all feels very forced. It all feels like this cry for attention. And, you know, that's what, that's what the criticism is about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the tracks right now, and there are only a few that have jumped out at me as being really good. <laughs> What's your favorite? Uh, I really like Joan of Arc. Me too. Yeah. I mean, the lyrics are so corny, but, but it kind yeah. of works. Yeah, it's good corny, though. Like, uh, I, I feel like it's genuine. It and, is genuine, yeah. and that's why like, there are actual genuine moments on the album, you know? Yeah, but then that iconic song comes on right after that. I'm like, oh. Oh, I kind of love that one. I, don't I know, know why. I can't. Like, I love that one. It has a particular sound that I'm hearing a lot in other music right now. And it just, I don't, it's hard for, I don't know what exactly it is. Cause I like grating and sort of like, sort of obnoxious music. Yeah. But those are also <laughs> terms I would use to describe the song iconic. It is. There is something obnoxious that really gets under your skin. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, I kind of like it. Um, but yeah, Joan of Arc is definitely a big favorite of mine. Yeah. Do you have a favorite track on the album? Um, I'm trying to think of like what jumps out at me first. Um, I really, this is also one of the cornier songs on the album, but I really have a soft spot for um, Veni Vidi Vici. Okay. Um, that's on um, the deluxe version. I'm looking at it right um, now. I may not have gotten that far. <laughs> she's like, I mean, it's like, I came, I saw, I conquered. Um, so it's very corny, but it kind of, the whole song is kind of like this sort of overview of her um, career and her journey as an artist. And she references a lot of her song titles, which sounds corny, but it all kind of works. Mm -hmm. And there's also this kind of softness to the song. Like you would expect a song to be like, I saw, I came, I saw, I conquered to be sort of, in your face and like sort of tooting her own horn, but it's more just a step back and just being like, you know what? Like I've achieved a lot and I'm proud of it. And I think that's a great thing. You know, um, I think that, you know, as artists, we all tend to be very self-deprecating and sort of apologetic. And, um, but sometimes it's good to just kind of appreciate the work that you're doing, you know? Yeah. I want to listen to the album again and try to like dig back into it. 
Yeah, it's a fun album. Yeah, part of me, like, I, I don't listen to music the same way I used to. Maybe you're having this experience as well, just because it's so accessible and so easy to be like, oh, I'm going to get this album now. And, and then I, back, back in the olden days, <laughs> this wasn't even that long ago. I would have it to, wasn't that long ago. Yeah, exactly. I would have to go to the store and buy a CD, like plan, like, oh, what CD am I going to get? I would go buy it and then take it home, unwrap it and put it in the player and like, okay, now I'm going to listen to it. But now everything but I, is so flighty. But I still try to hold on to that experience because I still love a physical format, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I, I mean, I love design. Like, I love packaging. And even in my own work that I do, like, one of the things that I love being able to do, and I don't think a lot of comedians, especially not, you know, the up-and-comers, like, I love, like doing photos and expressing myself visually and like even if I'm just doing a set on one show like I will make like a little poster for it you know or just some kind of visual expression so I'm very drawn to design and I love having you know whether it's vinyl or cd like I love having the actual packaging so when it comes to my favorite artists I still wait for the release day. I will not listen to the leaks. I will not, you know, go online. I will wait for the physical release and go and buy my copy and come home and have that experience of unwrapping the CD, putting it in the player and just sitting down or dancing and listening to it like from beginning to end. I don't do that with every album, but for my big favorites, I really try. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that. Honestly, I think it's, I don't know, like, I just, I love that moment. I remember, like, you know, being in high school and, like, counting down the minutes for the school day to be done and, like, rushing to the mall to, like, get Madonna's new album or whatever it was, you know? Do you remember what your first album was? Yes. I, my first album um, was Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Um, and I remember that day vividly. I remember going to the record store in the mall with my mom. I was like nine years old. Um, and I remember my mom asking the guy who worked at the store, like, is this album appropriate for children? (laughs) Um, and I remember him telling her, he's like, all the stuff that's inappropriate, he won't understand anyway. Um, and I, it's true. I mean, like, I didn't know what 69ing was when I was nine years old, you know? I didn't <laughs> right. know what she meant by going down on me in a theater. <laughs> oh, yeah, that album. Yeah, it does. But I remember, cool. like, bringing, like, I had this friend at the time in, like, the third grade, and we both loved that album. And I remember us both bringing the booklet to school and, like, in the schoolyard at recess, just sitting down on the ground with the booklet and just singing all the songs. Amazing. Yeah, so that album still, like, has, like, you know, a, a place in my heart. Love it. Uh, yes. I love it. We should probably wrap this thing up, but I want to make sure we talk about everything we need to know about your show. Um, tell me, well, I've got the, I've got the info here. Why don't you tell me? Because you can probably give me more details. Than- okay, well, I mean, obviously, everyone can go to tranawinter.com um, and all the show dates and times and ticket information is available. Um, I guess I, you know, it's important for me to say, um, cause I'm pushing the show so much. Like even now, like when I go do a set somewhere, like I don't leave the house without my fucking flyers. I feel like such a whore. Like I'm always like pushing the show. Like everyone that I meet, I'm like, come to my show, come to my show. But I'm pushing it because I've never worked harder on anything in my life and nothing that I've ever done creatively has meant more to me than this show. So I'm so proud of it. I want to share it with people. I would not 
beg people to come out and see the show if it wasn't something worth coming to see. So I think what I can promise audiences, whoever comes to the show, is that you can definitely expect, no matter what, for me to be giving you 110%. Like, everything that I have to give as a performer, I'm giving it in this show. Like, I'm just giving it all, laying it all out there. Love it. So it's in the Montreal Fringe, and it's showing at um, the Wiggle Room, is that right? Yeah, exactly. It's this fabulous cabaret burlesque club that we have here. It's one of our best venues, so I'm so excited to be doing it there. Oh my gosh. So it's going to be like a very sexy, intimate experience. Like the capacity is only like 75 people. Um, So I'm doing nine performances and... You know, every show, I'm I'm leaving room in every show for there to be, you know, improvisational moments. And I'm sort of challenging myself for every encore, for every encore to be a different song. So I'll be ending every night with a different song. So each show is going to be a sort of unique experience. That is, that's fantastic and daring. Do you feel nervous about doing that? I really do because, like, I don't have a lot of time left. And... There's a lot of songs that, for, that I'm planning to do for my encores that I need to fucking learn the lyrics to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, luckily, most of them are songs that I know well. But I don't know if you find this, but like with songs that you think you know really well, when you just try to sing it on your own or sing it with an instrumental track, you realize like just how little you actually know the lyrics. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there are some songs that I'm like, like, I thought that I knew by heart, like, perfectly. But then when you're with the instrumental track, you're like, you kind of fumble, you know? Yeah. So um, I'm trying. I reserve the right to, to take that back. And I reserve the right to go to certain songs. But I'm definitely trying to do a different song every night. That's fantastic. Like, we, yeah. like as solo artists, we have to do that, right? Like, make our own deadlines and our own... Exactly. And I feel like, you know, when I was putting the show together, just in terms of timing, um, because in addition to these shows, like I'm doing shows constantly all the time, which is great. And I'm so happy to be so busy. But I didn't have as much time to sort of create new things for this show. I mean, there are certain new bits. But also what I realized is that, you know, doing the Fringe Festival, I'm going to be introduced to a totally new audience and a lot of people are going to be seeing me for the first time. And I would rather take the time to present the best show that I can do in this moment, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I'm doing a few new things, but I don't want to do things right now, not for this show, that I don't know if people are going to respond to, you know. I really want to put together the absolute best show that I can do. Um, but you know, one of the things that I can do is do these new songs, like every song in the show, not just the encore, but the other songs that I'm doing in the show with the exception of one, like they're all brand new performances. That's fantastic. Ah, uh, I'm really like when talking to you makes me really like, Oh, I, I know. I love this. talking to you. And I feel like even in the few times that we've met, like we haven't had a chance to like really sit down and like talk. So I'm really glad that we got to do this because I'm such a big fan of yours. Like, I love you as a person. I love you as an artist. And everything that you do is just always, like, top-notch quality, you know? So I'm so happy that we got to do this. Aw, thank you so much for the nice compliment. I (laughs) I go into my, like, southern girl voice, apparently. (laughs) 
Don't be apologetic. I won't. I appreciate you saying that. It's uh, because I feel the same way about your work, and I'm super excited that you're. You've got a pretty solid run of this show too. It's going June 4th through June 21st. Yeah, exactly. So I'm doing nine performances. Luckily, in between my opening night and my second show, like I have like a week in between. Okay. Um, so that's good. So whatever happens the first night, I have a chance to like perfect things and change things around if needed. Um, and then all my remaining eight shows are basically taking place in the span of like a week and a half. Wow. Yeah. So it's going to be crazy. Amazing. Uh, well, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Congrats on the relaunch. Oh, thanks so much.
that was Fort Rameau with the song Fall from their album Insides. Thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast. Thanks for, yeah, listening. MikeyPod.com is where you can find me. Email me at MikeyPod at gmail.com. If you want to find out more about me, Michael Heron, you can go to MichaelHeron.com. All of that will be linked, you know, whatnot. Um, be sure to check out Trana if you are in the Montreal area. And, uh, yeah, I'll tune in next week. I will have uh, Victoria Moran will be my guest. I actually did that interview already, but you've got to wait for it. I think you can. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.